Hello, hello, and welcome to Archaeopolitics, a Harry Potter reread podcast that focuses on politics in the wizarding world. As always, I'm Adri, one of your hosts, and a recovering English major. And I'm Helene, your co-host and producer. And today we're going to be talking about Chapter 22, The Deathly Hallows of Harry Potter and The Deathly Hallows. That that we are. It is uh, an aptly named chapter. But before we get there, hello, Helene. How are you? I'm I'm all right. I don't know. I feel like this new year has brought so far. Like we're only like two weeks into the new year, 2023. But like, it's brought like a lot of like both good and bad. And I'm just like I don't know what to expect. Yeah, it's kind of a toss up in terms of years ago. But um, I uh, greetings to listeners. I am podcasting from. The lovely and very humid island of Puerto Rico, the island that uh, that saw me become alive in this world. Yes, welcome home in a way. Uh, hope yeah, you're having uh, a good time. You, you can never truly go back home is, <laughs> is the reality, <laughs> but I'm eating a lot of yummy food. I have a list and I have this one more thing on my list and Ooh. then I could start over again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then you go back for seconds. Perfect. Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm gonna be here well, for like almost two months, so it's gonna I'm gonna gotta get this done. Yeah. Um. I so I'm. I mean, like, I know you said that it's super hot and humid when we were talking off mic. So I don't envy that, but I do envy being somewhere warm at the moment, just because I have been freezing my ass off here in in Minneapolis. So, uh, enjoy the weather while you can i guess well uh it would help if the people at your building would fucking turn on the radiator yeah uh, i cannot for the life of me wait one goddamn second more to get into myself into an apartment building where i can control the fucking weather <laughs> just can't i cannot anymore temperature i should say not the weather there's not weather i guess in my apartment you guys know what i'm talking about I uh, will now only refer to temperature inside my dwellings as controlling the weather. Yeah, I mean, it kind of makes you feel like a little powerful, right? Like you yeah. control the weather. Yeah. Am I Storm from the X-Men? Yes, maybe uh, Yeah, I am. exactly who I was thinking of. Yes, you are. Halle Berry. Hell yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> who else would um, I be, <laughs> you know? Well, yeah. yeah. Well, in, in other news... Um, my both of my parents uh not only caught covid which you know that fucking sucks um but they caught it when they were on vacation in Arizona and so they have been holed up in their hotel room in Arizona with no car and no one that they know in the area doing their quarantine uh, until they are no longer contagious and they are just stuck there until like next week. So that's fun. Are they just like door dashing everything to their room? Like what is happening there? Yeah, I think it's like a mi- mixture of DoorDash and Instacart. Like my sister and I, like my sister did all the work, but I inputted some stuff. Like she sent them a care package through Instacart earlier this week. Um, and so I think that's just how they're doing it. But like they don't have... They don't have a car, but it doesn't matter anyway because my mom tested positive shortly after my dad tested positive. So, like, neither of them can leave the the hotel room anyway. So, it's like, it's oh my god, insane. I'm just 
Yeah, I mean, it's it shows like a lot. Case scenario, honestly, it's like literally. It shows a lot about my state of mind that, like, the first thing I go to is not like, how are, how's their health? Like, are they breathing okay? No, it's like, oh, what are they doing about food, though? Like, <laughs> I mean, food is important. Food is part of staying alive, so it is their health. Yeah. <laughs> but no, their I health mean, is. Yeah. Their health yeah, is like, doing um, as good as I can hope for at the moment because th- uh, they both are on Paxlovid now, so that's good. Um, I've, it sounds like coughing is really the the main issue at the moment. My dad had some other symptoms like fever and chills and you know other stuff earlier on, but it seems like he's gotten a bit better since starting the Paxlovid. So uh, I'm just glad that it's not shortness of breath because he already only has one working lung lung um he's already very like it's already very difficult for him to breathe so just just glad he's not like in the hospital you know yeah no i'm glad for that too and i hope that they get through it very easily especially with paxlovid and they can be back home pretty soon yeah i'm looking forward to them getting back home and I don't know. I considered maybe like going out to Arizona for a while to help them, but it's like I wouldn't be able to even go in the same room as them anyway. It's like, I don't know. Well, we'll see what happens, but hopefully it'll all work out. I I guess the only thing you could do is like wear like three masks at a time and like Lysol everything down in the room. I don't know. Just yeah, Lysol no, bomb it. Yeah, if they were like doing super badly and like their health was really iffy, then I probably would do it. But they seem to be taking care of themselves pretty well at the moment. So let's just hope that they get better very soon. 2023, we're rooting for you. Don't let us down. Yeah. Not like, like 2020 at least, you know? It's not, yeah, it's not already like in the toilet. Like I'm I'm not writing it off already because there have been some good things that have happened too. I'm just like, like, you know, I'm holding out. We'll see. We'll see. Okay. So I... This really just reminded me of uh, a quote that was like, not a quote, like a meme or whatever. Now I'm calling <laughs> meme quotes. Am I 53 now? Yeah, I don't know what's going on here. That was that was a, a wow. choice. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Damn. Um, it says like, the bars in hell and you're out there playing, uh, like doing the limbo with the devil. And I just feel <laughs> like 2023 has... Yeah. Like that capacity of like, guys, you know, the bar is in hell after 2020. Just don't. Don't go play limbo with the devil. Like, Yeah, it has so much potential to be better. So let's just hope it it does it. I, I want 2023 to fly to heaven, you know? Yeah. Yep. And I this agree. metaphor of whatever the, the quote meme my 53-year-old ass said. Anyway... <laughs> Um, but we're not here to talk about my mental health state of being an elder now. We're here to talk about... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. 
chapter 22, which by the way, Helene, fun fact, I read the wrong chapter for this episode. And then I had to like pull a really uh, fast one and read the real chapter. So, oh, what times. chapter did you read? 23. Oh, okay. So I'm a you, already, you already know what's going to happen next week. Look at you. I mean, yeah, go me. <laughs> I mean, yeah, this, this, yeah, this, uh, oh, yeah, the next chapter is, like, a big one. Oh. Yeah, yeah, no, like, I was like, yeah, okay, it's gonna be exciting about. to talk about, like, I'm yeah, ready. Like this, this- technically, and this then- chapter, like, in terms of the plot, this chapter ri- could, except for, like, the last, like, three lines of the chapter, really could just, like, lift out pretty easily. So then um, I, like, so I did it, I prepped, and then I opened the doc to put my notes in, like I usually do. You know, I prep separately, and then I open the doc yeah. and put my notes in. And I, I like, went to put my notes in, and I saw your apology, and I was like, huh, that's an interesting one for this chapter. That doesn't seem to fit, <laughs> but okay. And, yeah. like, I kept thinking about it. I was like, that's not right. That's not right. And so I went and looked at your summary, and I was like, this is not the chapter I read. <laughs> is that the first time this has happened to you? Yeah, yeah. That's that's funny. <laughs> so I was like, oh fuck, I need to read chapter 22 now. <laughs> and this one, this chapter felt kind of long. Which yeah. Which was kind of yeah. annoying. So uh fun times with Ad- fun times with Adri who prepped for the wrong fucking chapter. <laughs> well, um, are you ready to hear what happens in the right chapter? Uh, please do. <laughs> so uh, in this one, uh, chapter 22, The Deathly Hallows, uh, this is the one where after hearing Xenophilius explain the existence of the Deathly Hallows, Harry realizes they really exist and that he's currently in possession of all but the Elder Wand, which Voldemort is actually currently looking for. Harry is convinced that finding and possessing all three will be exactly what he needs to defeat Voldemort, but Hermione and Ron are not convinced, and they think they they should just forget about them and focus on finding the Horcruxes instead. In the meantime, Ron finally becomes successful in trying to find the Potter Watch broadcast on his radio, and for the first time in months, the trio get to hear news from the outside world from some fond and familiar voices. God bless. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it was kind of like an... A chapter where, well, first of all, this chapter, not in the movie at all, which is why I kind of feel like I remember that Deathly Hallows as like being something that really isn't super consequential to the plot. Because like this chapter, it's like trying really hard to convince you that the Deathly Hallows are so important. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, this is all I need to defeat Voldemort. But like what I see is I see it as sh- she kind of set up set up like a backup, right? Because like now he has two options to defeat Voldemort. He can re- like get rid of all of his Horcruxes and then kill him, or he can get the freaking Deathly Hallows and battle him because there's no way he's going to die. Or he could try to do both, but he doesn't do both. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't get the elder one in the end. Like it's so insane. So yeah, it's still very strange to me that this is even a thing. Uh, it's like a classic misdirection of our uh, little reader brains. Yeah, but the only I mean, like the there is the redeeming part of the chat. This chapter is the Potter watch part, which I do wish was in the movies. I did love that. 
It was very yeah. nice. That was very nice. I wish we got like, you know, like in the movie, I wish we got like the, the a scene of them like doing the show. Like, you know, you, you get the like the radio working and then you get the shot of like them doing the show and you see yeah. Remus and Fred and like these people like talking into the mic, like in, with an yeah. old timey mic. Yeah. You know, that yeah. would be fun, I think. Yeah, Lee Jordan, the original podcaster, you know? Yeah, like. <laughs> yeah. Which, fun fact, was a sticker on our Patreon a very long time ago. Well, and we used to have a Potter Watch segment, but we don't anymore, so. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. But, like, before the segment, we did have yeah. a sticker. That's that Lee Jordan is was the original podcaster. Uh, yeah, I do. Va- I vaguely remember you. If I hadn't seen it, I do remember at least hearing about it. Yeah. So that's that's exciting. Okay. So uh, speaking of exciting things, uh, let's talk a little bit about like, you talked a little bit about how you feel right now about the chapter. How did you feel about the chapter the first time you read it though? Honestly, I don't remember. This chapter, I don't remember this chapter very much. Like I was, I kind of felt like I was, I know I'd read it before, obviously. I've read this book at least... (laughs) I've read this book at least two, if not three times. Um, okay. But this chapter must have just been so forgettable because, like, literally the part where Harry's, like, obsessed with the Deathly Hallows and, like, tries to convince Ron and Hermione and they're just, like, not having it. Like, I don't remember that at all. It felt like I was reading that for the first time. What about you? I have a similar experience to where I don't have specific strong memories of this chapter. For sure, I did. Last chapter, I had like super strong memories of that chapter because it's like, you think it's one thing and then, oh, no, he's basically stabbing them in the back, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And then the Death Eater show up, you know, like that's pretty action packed and memorable. And this one, I wish I even remembered that this is the one that they listened to Potter Watch on. I thought for sure, like in my stupid brain, that that happened the moment Ron got back. Yeah. And honestly, I... I think that it should have been the focus of the chapter. Like, I feel like we could have done a lot le- with a lot less of Harry, like, obsessing over the Deathly Hallows and all that shit. Because it, as I, as we mentioned multiple times, like, it doesn't really pay out very well. Um, and instead had a whole chapter about the Potter Watch show. Because that was really the only part of the chapter where I was like, this is actually worth reading. Yeah. Well, actually, that section of the chapter was my focus for my politic because I just felt like the rest of the prose wasn't really the driving force behind the chapter. Yeah. Do you want to go first this time and talk about your politics? Yeah, sure. I, like I just talked about, you know, focused on the Potter Watch segment because, again, I try to look at things that are moving the chapter and the action forward or giving us information we didn't have before. Um, And to me, this chapter was all about the politics of resistance. And the United States Department of Defense defines a resistance movement as an organized effort by some portion of the civil population of a country to resist the legally established government or an occupying power and to disrupt civil order and stability. So what do we have here? An occupying power masquerading as the legally appointed power of a 
you know, community and this like civil, like civilians resisting and organizing around that. A Harry Potter is Katniss Everdeen, basically. Yeah, obviously. And uh, Lee Jordan is, I don't know, the leader of the radio resistance. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I can't remember. It's been a while, hot minute since I've either read the books or watched the movies for The Hunger Games. I don't remember if there was any sort of Lee Jordan character, but maybe. Maybe. Maybe just didn't learn about him or her or them. Yeah. Um, so what about you? What was your politic? Yeah, I went with connection. Um, and... I mean, the main one that I that came to mind, so obviously, like, there are lots of different types of connections. Um, and when I was reading this chapter, the one that jumps out the most, obviously, is is they kind of basically outright say that the trio, after hearing the Potter watch, kind of felt connected to the outside world for the very first time in months. It, it was just like a, like a foreign feeling to them. Like they finally felt like they got to like be connected to the outside world because they've been on the run for so long and been isolated. And then also they feel like a connection to the show itself, the program of Potter Watch, because all of the hosts are people that they consider close friends and family in some cases as well. So they feel that connection to the actual like content of the program as well. And then, um, Later in the chapter, or earlier in the chapter, actually, um, when Harry starts to become obsessed with the Deathly Hallows and trying to find them, Hermione thinks that um, she kind of she kind of makes it clear that she thinks that Harry is maybe disconnected a bit from the from re- reality. She thinks that he's like, you know, not thinking about what he needs to be thinking about, and therefore kind of disconnected in, in his own world. Um, and because of that disconnection from reality, like or perceived disconnection from reality, um, they're they're comes a divide between the trio because Harry is like kind of going on his own path and wanting to do this one specific thing. And the trio have lose their kind of like unified front a little bit. And therefore that, that deep connection is a little, is a little bit fractured in that moment. Uh, And then finally we see the, the psychic connection between Harry and Voldemort start to weaken um, as Harry's like visions start to go, grow a lot fuzzier and like harder to read and decipher. Um, So that connection is weakening. Um, And Harry also believes that that, that weakening of that connection might have something to do with the destruction of his wand, which not only did he feel very connected to personally, but his wand was physically connected to Voldemort's wand, which I don't know if Voldemort is even using the wand he was physically like that was like you know the twin core to Harry's anymore anyway I think he might be using a different wand at this point in the story he's Um, using Malfoy's Lucius yeah right until and then soon he's gonna go get the elder wand so so yeah I mean lots of different types of like deepening connections and then you know breaking connections and and weakening connections all throughout the the chapter can we talk a little bit about the politics? I want to talk about uh, the politics of connection, uh, not only as it pertains to this chapter, but kind of also the series. I know this is mo- like breaking us in, in our traditional order, but I think there's something very important and interesting that you said about the psychic connection between Harry and Voldemort that I want to a little bit explore before we go to our quotes and yeah. that is that even like throughout the the series there's like this 
argument, one could say, that the psychic connection that Voldemort and Harry uh, share is based on emotion, right? Like the, and uh, you know, anger is an emotion, right? Like, so if Voldemort is feeling particularly angry, that's when Harry gets his most vivid visions of what Voldemort is is doing and like there are moments of glee in that where he feels like a rush of glee but that is few and far between and like the underlying theme for me and like the series especially the later books is like this connection between Harry and Voldemort is like very dependent on emotion at least on Voldemort's side right like And because he doesn't have access to the same emotions Harry has, he can't really connect with Voldemort in that way. Like, Voldemort can't connect with Harry on the same level that Harry can connect with him because Harry has access to the base emotions that Voldemort has access to, which is, like, anger and, and like, glee or whatever. But Voldemort doesn't have access to the more complicated and complex emotions that rule Harry. Yeah, what I was going to say when you started talking about that, it made me think, like, so, like, the Horcrux is a part of Voldemort, right? So it's possible, and, like, this is the first, this is the first, like, evidence we've, or any, like, instance, I think, ever, probably, where a Horcrux is in another human being. So, like, we don't, we don't have any, anything to really back up or, like, prove what, like a horcrux being in another human like how what that connection would normally normally look like but i i kind of feel like maybe with with voldemort like it's possible that harry actually if voldemort wasn't a sociopath or like a psychopath right yeah like it's possible that maybe harry would be feeling literally everything but because voldemort is a sociopath and a psychopath probably both um he's not he probably doesn't have emotions most of the time except in extreme situations because they yeah. tend to like be very detached and unemotional well, not so, care so, so what i was trying to say is like the only real reason why voldemort doesn't have access to harry's thoughts the way harry has access to voldemort's thoughts is because voldemort doesn't have access to the complex emotions that harry has Yeah, but I also think it might be because Harry has a piece of Voldemort in him, but Voldemort doesn't have a piece of Harry in him, you know? No, and that's completely true, but I tend to see, like, that as, like, almost like the communicating mirror in which, like, if you can see into that, then the other person should be able to see. I don't know. Just a thought and a theory. No, I can can see it. I can see that for sure. Also, are we thinking Nagini is not of human person or wasn't at some point i mean she's a horse she she's not anymore right because if we're taking fantastic beast lore into it which i mean that's up to the listeners if they want to accept that as canon but like according to that she was a human at one point Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. she had a malediction and her malediction made it so that eventually she would like she could turn to and from a snake in the Fantastic Beasts series, but eventually the curse was that she was never going to be able to turn back. So she's she is full snake now, and I don't rem- I don't think we never find out at what point in her life she met Voldemort. She, I don't know if she was already full snake, or like or like when he turned her into a Horcrux, because it's possible she was not a human, like she was already full so, snake. So, 
so are is the malediction also take strips her away of her humanity like it's not like when peter pettigrew pretended to be scabbers the entire time even though he was a fully ass grown human pretending to be a rat fully conscious about being a rat you know i think it's up for debate but from what i like the way that i interpreted the whole malediction thing was that she yeah she like is no longer like the human she's literally just like just a snake okay but i could be wrong interesting i could be i could be wrong no, I'm, I mean, I'm, he can he can speak parcel tongue, right? So he could have full on conversations with her. It's possible maybe she is like she does have like herself, in like there. a consciousness, you know. I, yeah. That's what I was thinking. Okay, uh, just he, just he, thought. he can talk to her. So like, yeah, I mean, and she probably only you know, not only, but one of the reasons she probably stuck around with him and and helps him do horrible things is because he is one of the only people that can actually have conversation with her. So. She, she's like classic Stockholm syndrome. Yeah, I mean, if only she knew how much better it would be if if she decided to go with Harry instead of Voldemort, and she could have conversations with Harry because Harry speaks postal tongue. You know, but. you know, you guys could have been BFFs. <laughs> Speaking of postal tongue, this is going off uh, off topic for just a second. How fucking cool would it be to be able to just be born with like the knowledge of a completely other language? He did not have to learn that. It was in his DNA. How cool would it be? Like I just woke up one day and like because my DNA told me that I knew how to speak Italian, I could just l- speak fluent Italian. Like how oh, cool I was going to say I was going to say French for you so we could say Helene in Paris, you know, instead of Emily in oh. Paris. Oh, well, I mean, we're going to talk about Emily in Paris later. Just but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to me, to me French is still like one of my least favorite languages, so I don't think I would okay, watch it. It's just a lot of like, oh, I'm sorry, people who speak French. I'm so sorry. But it's a lot of like hacking and like holding your tongue at the back of your mouth. I just don't like it. I just I don't like how it feels to say use it and say it. I'm sorry, French people. Don't feel offended. That's just me. <laughs> You're the problem. It's you. Hi, it's me. I'm the problem. It's me. Okay. Gotcha. 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 All right. Let's get to our quotes. So um, for resistance, I chose the following quote from the broadcast. I do, said Lupin firmly. There is no doubt at all in my mind that his death would be proclaimed as widely as possible by the Death Eaters if it had happened, because it would strike a deadly blow at the morale of those resisting the new regime. The boy who lived remains a symbol of everything for which we are fighting, the triumph of good, the power of innocence, the need to keep resisting. So this this part actually begged the question for me, why the fuck don't they just say that he's dead then? They like then no Harry one can fact check that. Well, because then was, Harry could just pop up like like yeah, he did at the end of his book. <laughs> yeah, but then they would then they would find him and actually kill him. It'd actually be a very like clever way to get him out so that they can kill him. Yeah, but Voldemort, I don't think Voldemort wants to uh, chance that until he has the Elder Wand in his power. I guess. They could hold him prisoner until then. I don't know. It's just like, yeah, that would be really fucking bad for the Resistance if they, if they thought he was dead. And literally nothing is stopping them from just saying it's true. Like, just say he's dead. <laughs> like, 
I mean, just, they tried to discredit him in the press, and look how that turned out. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I, I th- this is a great quote for your for your um, politic. I just remember when I was reading this for the chapter, that part came. I was like, yeah, why don't they just say he's dead? <laughs> okay, okay. How about your quote? Uh, my quote was: Harry, Ron, and Hermione were still beaming. Hearing f- familiar, friendly voices was an extraordinary tonic. Harry had become so used to their isolation that he had nearly forgotten that other people were resisting Voldemort. It was like waking up from a long sleep. And look, resisting is in there. Has to do with yours, too. <laughs> it's We're all resisting. We're all part of the resistance. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, obviously, so I mean, I chose it because it's it's kind of talking about the the emotional like not repercussions but like the emotional like following of of how of how it felt once they felt that connection to the outside world again the first time well and the thing about resistance right and how it intersects with connection is that you cannot have an effective resistance right to a regime without having a deep connection with the people around you, like the the community that you are resisting with, like the civilians you're resisting with. Because without connecting on whether it's an ideology or a feeling or or something, something very important, you cannot effectively resist a regime. And Harry is that for the resistance, right? In this series, but Harry himself needs to feel connected to something outside of himself, which is usually Ron and Hermione. But that is not enough when you're trying to make an impact, right? Some like this is the importance of him feeling connected to the broader wizarding world. Yeah, it's like a it's like a reminder of why he's doing what he's doing. Other than the fact that he if he doesn't do what he's doing, he's gonna die because the prophecy says neither can live while the other survives. Like, yeah, this is all about like I mean it's not this is partly about him like staying alive, but a, a good part of this is he's fighting for these other these other people to have to be able to live without the fear of Voldemort over them every day. And and when you're so isolated from that community, you don't, you kind of probably forget that that's what you're fighting for. Yeah. So got to get that connection, man. Well, I think I already kind of talked about the politics of connection in the broader sense of the series. Um, but the only other thing that I want to talk about in terms of connection in the series is, Harry, um, at the beginning of the series, is isolated in the Dursley household. He doesn't feel connected to anything or anyone outside of, like, himself. And by the end of this, he finds a community and connection that is bigger than what he could ever imagine. So I feel like, yeah, this is a big story also about connection and not just heroism. It's like finding your people, right? Yeah. Finding finding those that connection that makes you feel like... You belong. You're home. Yeah. yeah. In terms of resistance, um, I mean, the first obviously there are a couple of things that come to mind. The first one that comes to mind the most is the is Dumbledore's army in, in the fifth book, because that is, you know, a group of, of students who disagree with the way that um Umbridge is handling the, you know, the curriculum of Defense Against Dark Arts. And um they're coming together in a way to resist 
uh, her her own little mini regime that she has at, the, at Hogwarts, basically. Um, and they're trying to, you know, fight back and and do good. Which, you by know, the like way, was legally appointed by yeah. the Ministry of Magic. You're right. Yeah, exactly. And then um, probably like, you know, the Order of the Phoenix, obviously, um, they're just like the Potter Watch pals. You know, they're a group of people <laughs> getting together to try and fight Voldemort in any way that they possibly can. So I think those are the big ones, obviously. I'm sure there are smaller, more also relevant throughout the series uh, resistances or, or examples of resistance. But I, yeah, I think that those are the main ones for me. I love your use of the phrase Potter Watch Pals. Thank you so yeah. much. So it's much. like the, the Harry Potter Pals, the, you know. Yeah, yeah, the puppets. Yeah, the Harry Potter Puppet Pals. That's what it is, the whole thing. Yeah. Right? Harry Potter Potter Watch Pals. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, we are here at the segment that we love, and that is the segment where we talk about what we hate and what we loved. <laughs> yeah. Adventures in Chocolate. Yes, this is a fun segment. Before we start, do you have any chocolate recommendations? Uh, not at the moment. Uh, how about you, Helene? I don't remember if I talked about this last time, but I am still thoroughly enjoying the two boxes of Cadbury cream eggs that I got at Target, thanks to you. <laughs> you got them with wine, if I remember correctly, I did. from your I, Instagram. I, when I was at my sister's place, she reminded me that there, there's, there's this whole world of um fruit wine that like i haven't really gotten into um because like whenever people talk about wine i've tried like all the reds and the whites and the shit like that and i i've realized that i really only like moscato which is like basically a very very sweet dessert wine um mm -hmm, i hate mm -hmm, i hate mm -hmm. dry like i hate reds there's no red i found that i ever like and then i realized like there are like fruit wines like you know, apple wine and, you know, watermelon wine and like all this wine out there that and blueberry wine that's all exists. That's basically Moscato, but like flavored like a specific fruit. I'm like, I totally like didn't realize this could be a thing. So when I was at Target, I decided the Target I went to had a liquor store. And so I decided to pop in um, and they had a peach wine that looked delectable. And it was in their like, um, like staff favorites section. Like we recommend. Okay, okay. So I was like, okay, well, if they like it that much, I got to try it. So yeah, I picked up Cadbury cream eggs and wine. That was my target run. <laughs> I picked up like a, a gift for a friend too, but that's for myself. Those are the things I got. <laughs> I feel like you're settling into your late 20s very well, Helene. <laughs> yeah, great. Just in time for me to not be in my 20s at all anymore. <laughs> Yeah, no, but like, you're really just being like, you know what, I'm living my best life in my late 20s. I'm about to turn 30, which is this year, right? Yep. Yep. Oh, okay. Okay. And you're like, I'm just going to live my best life. I'm going to go buy chocolate and wine at Target. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's I'm counting down the days until I am no longer a 20 something. And I'm just, yeah, I'm, so, I'm getting ready for it. I mean, it's okay. My mom, my mom discovered her fondness for wine at age, I think, like fifty-five or sixty, even. Um, and she was like, I, "I know I've talked about this before, but I'm going to repeat it again." She's like, "Adri, did you know there's this thing 
that is wine that comes in a box. And I'm like, yes, mom, it's boxed wine. Yes, I am aware of this. <laughs> right, I have right. been aware of, of this for a very long time. But she was like, it was like discovering a new country for her. She's so obsessed. That's hilarious. I love it. I can't wait to meet your mom one day. <laughs> <laughs> She's fun. She's fun. Um, she also found the other day a um, passion fruit liquor. And it's like, you know, it's already kind of like a pre-mixed drink, like passion fruit drink, you know, okay. um, in a bottle. And it has like the passion fruit seeds in it. And which, you know, you can eat passion fruit seeds. I do not recommend doing that if you buy alcohol that has been, you know, that they've been steeped in alcohol because those kind of get all the alcohol from it. Got and it. I drank and I was like, oh, this, this tastes like passion fruit juice with like very barely any alcohol in them. And then my brother was drinking the ones that had the seeds in it. And I was like, Carlos Ignacio, that's going to have all the alcohol. And he's like, oh, I know. And he's just like popping them in his mouth. And I was like, you're gross. Okay, bye. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Anyway, yeah. So she she does all the fun drinks. I do like on occasion like to do the fun drinks like pre-made or whatever. But I usually just like the. Uh, stiffer drinks, the drier wines, like the stuff yeah. you don't like. <laughs> I'm I'm not an alcohol person in general. I nine nine out of ten times I will not get anything alcoholic to drink if I if I am offered. So it's it's rare that I find something that I'm willing to drink. That's until I make you a pina colada. I make mm. a really good one. Is that does that have uh, rum or tequila? Rum. Rum. Okay, good because I prefer rum to over tequila. So. Also, it's super sweet. Like there is no way you're going to be like this is dry. Like no, it's like literal candy. I just like I don't I like alcohol where I can't taste the alcohol. That's what I want. Oh not yeah, it'll taste. be like yeah, it'll be like that. Trust me, it's like very deceptive. Okay, I'm looking forward to it. But in the meantime, <laughs> should we talk about our Deventers and chocolate? <laughs> sure. Um, Helene, what is your Ted Cruz? sipping some tequila in Mexico. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so this chapter, it was uh, Harry and Harry, Hermione and Ron uh, basically just discounting Harry's thoughts and feelings about the Deathly Hallows as if like he, they haven't learned a million times in a million different situations that like Harry sometimes knows what the fuck he's talking about. Like they're just like, oh, you're wrong. We're just going to do this other thing. We think this is better. It's like, dude, listen to Harry sometimes. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, just listen to him. It's like, this happens all the time, like, in, like in Buffy, too. Like, sometimes, like, she'll be pretty sure about something, and they'll be like, oh, no, it's just something else. And it's like, listen to her. Like, she saved the world how many times? Like, Harry saved them, their asses from Voldemort how many times? Like, just fucking, like, maybe he knows what the fuck he's talking about. This just bothered me. Okay, so uh, quick note, Helene, for you and the listeners, I just realized we both have the same chocolates and the mentors. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. As I said, I just copied and pasted it from my notes. <laughs> <laughs> well, how about this? I have. How about this? For my chocolate, I have two. I'll just say the one that isn't yours, and you can say yours. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Um, so my Dementor uh, is basically what you said, but I'm, I, I phrased it a little bit different. It's like, um, 
So the trio's warring priorities keeping them from tackling what lies ahead in front of them at at the moment. So like, could you just like stop and like listen to each other for one fucking second and talk and take turns discussing your priorities and then we can fucking move forward? Yeah. That's it. Like, I mean, yeah, it was basically for me, it was, yeah, them, it kind of felt like they were gaslighting him. Like, in a way, like they weren't telling him he was like wrong or whatever, but they were telling him that I guess in a way they were. Yeah. So they were gaslighting him, you know, like, oh, that's not as important. Let's focus on this other thing. And he's like, no, I'm pretty fucking sure it's important. And they're but like, no, it's I not. Fe- I feel like a lot of it is like they are so sure each each person right in this scenario is so sure that they're right, that they mm-hmm. are not listening to each other and the more they don't listen to each other they're more entrenched they become combative about like no i'm right no i'm right it's Which, like yeah and i think that that is exactly what led to the crap that happened at the very end because if harry felt like he was being listened to i don't think he would have thought to say voldemort's name i don't think he did it on purpose correct and that's that, that's what i'm saying like it just yeah. They yeah. fractured because they don't listen to each other. And I understand, like, this is from Harry's perspective, so we're going to feel more for him. But I think he's also falling victim to that thing where it's like, oh, they're not listening? Well, I'm not listening. So then they're not listening? So, well, I'm just going to hold on to my point of view even right. more. And then they're doing the same. Yeah. Yeah. And nobody's really feeling listened to. Uh, I guess Hermione and Ron have each other to feel listened to, like to listen to and feel listened to from or whatever. And that's but, like, the only reason it feels like they're ganging up on him. Yeah. Because there's two of them and one of him. And Harry. Well, technically, he's a Horcrux, so there's technically two of him, but you know. Well, it's one of him and a little bit of Voldemort, but yes. Like, I see, uh, I see one, what you're saying. One, I see, one point I something. Yes. <laughs> Uh, but no, I, like, like I, I'm just like I alluded to. Basically, like he feels like he's not being heard. He's not. He's having to basically, like, scream to be listened to because they're not. They're not taking him seriously, and that's probably why he got so worked up at the end and said Voldemort's name, and therefore it got them into all that shit at the very end. Because when you're feeling not listened to, sometimes you will do. You will say things that you don't mean <laughs> to be heard or do stupid so. shit. You know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He just wasn't thinking. <sighs> okay, so, Lean, what was your chocolate? The one that is not my chocolate. <laughs> yes. So the, I put two, and so I will. I will restrain from saying that the one, the one that Adri also put. So the other one was um, they talked about in Powder Watch. They they mentioned that Hagrid is on the run because he was caught throwing a support Harry Potter party. At at um at Hogwarts in his hut, because of course he did. Uh, of course. <laughs> and so they ran him out of Hogwarts and tried to you know imprison him, and he outran them and got got out of got out of that situation. But of course, like the thing that gets the Death Eaters to like go attack him is that he was throwing a support Harry Potter party. Also, it's just it's funny because like I forgot that this happened. Because it's yeah. not in the movie, and it's like a small, insignificant, like detail from this book, and it happens like in one sentence, but it's so cute. 
Well, also, of course, Hagrid is throwing any kind of party, right? Like, first of all, what an icon to get in trouble for throwing a party at a boarding school, right? But of all things, a support Harry Potter party. Chef's kiss. Yeah, it was very, very cute. So what is uh, the chocolate or the tomato? Or yeah, the chocolates or chocolate. What's the chocolate that uh, (laughs) I also put, Adrian? (laughs) Okay, so this comes from... One of our greatest characters, uh, Fred, in this chapter. And it says the following. Uh, Maybe he is, maybe he isn't, but the fact remains he can move faster than Severus Snape confronted with shampoo when he wants to. So don't count on him being a long way away if you're planning to take any risks. And it's just like that part about faster than Severus Snape confronted with shampoo. I mean, am I triggered because I suffer from oily scalp? Yes. But also, is it funny? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, there's there's two sides of it, right? Because, like, one, like, yeah, it's I, – I don't condone making fun of someone for their appearance or whatever. But on the other hand, it's Snape. So I don't fucking give a shit. Like, Snape is awful. So, <laughs> so make fun also, of his maybe- hair. Also, maybe Snape just needs some moisturizing shampoo because sometimes that's why your scalp is so oily is because it needs some good-ass moisturizing shampoo. You or can't... maybe he just doesn't bathe. Ugh, gross. I mean, it's possible. Who is he? A Hollywood person? Like, have, did you remember, like, last year like when Mila, people were saying... Like Mila Kunis yeah. and Ashton Kutcher? Like, yeah. Oh, it was, like, also Dash... Dax Shepard and Kristen Bell were saying that about their kids too, and like a bunch yeah. of celebrities were saying yeah. this shit. No, I was like, "What people don't bathe? What? I mean, and they're not, not as often clinically as depressed. Yeah, not as often as normal beauty standards would would suggest, at least." Okay, honestly, I understand that clinical depression is a real thing and that also impacts your hygiene. Da 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 da. But like, totally. if you're not clinically depressed and not, you know, and are coming from a place of wealth and privilege and you're not bathing, like what is going on with you? It's and then it's a choice. Yeah, it's a choice. Like, okay. Yeah. I have thoughts anyway. (laughs) You know who else has thoughts? Our listeners. Our listeners. Yeah. Yeah. You're completely right about that. Helene. Last time we asked the following question to our listeners if you had the choice, which Deathly Hallow would you possess and why? And uh, we got some responses, Lean. Yes, we did. So I did I did a poll on Instagram uh, paired with a please explain your answer to the poll option. And our poll had a total of 20 votes. 18 of them were for cl- for the cloak. And then we had one each for the wand and the stone. So... Um, unfortunately, neither of the people who voted for the things other than the cloak, so, like, the one person who voted for the wand and the one person who voted for the stone, like, they did not explain their choice. So I have no idea why they chose differently than everyone else, but the people who did choose the cloak, I, we had a few people who explained. Um, okay. And Tell I, us all about it. I will say, spoiler alert, this is obvi- this is the one I would have chosen, the cloak. I don't know about you. But literally, all the reasons that they say are basically the same reasons that I would say. So okay, so I want to say on the record, I don't, I don't know, I don't know what I would choose necessarily. I okay. feel like I don't necessarily need the cloak only because 
I feel like I'm invisible enough already, although people will say I am too flamboyant to be invisible, but a feeling is a feeling, Helene, okay? Uh, <laughs> so I already feel like I blend in a lot and I'm invisible, so why do I need the cloak? Do I need the stone or the wand? I don't think so, but like, I'm just like, oh, well, I guess the cloak by default, but like, what do yeah. you need an invisibility cloak if you already feel like you're invisible? You know what I well, mean? Well, I mean, you, I don't know if any of us technically need any of these things. But if you, like, had a gun to your head and said, choose one of the three Deathly Hallows or you get shot in the head, like, what what would you choose? Probably the cloak is that I'd be like, bye. Uh, now, you, now you can't see me to shoot at me. There you go. There you go. I mean... Yeah. Alternatively, you could take the one and and kill his ass before he shoots you. So, but yeah, yeah. but I have terrible aim. Okay, there we go. <laughs> so, what am yeah, I going to uh, do? Explore every, Yeah, I mean, uh, yes, every I agree on well, cloak for not exactly that reason, but all the reasons that our listeners are saying, and all these people agree with you on the cloak. So let me let me explain why they said cloak. Um, our first uh, one is one that I forgot to put in the docs. So I'm reading it from my phone. Our listener Katya said, clearly the cloak, both the wand and the so- stone sound like a bad time. And I could use the cloak to disappear from awful social situations. I mean, relatable. Yes. Uh, and then uh, our editor, Allison, hi, Allison, uh, said Irish goodbyes would be so easy, which, yes, this is true. As someone who is in the Midwest, uh, Minnesota goodbyes are a thing. Um, and Minnesota goodbyes are basically like you say goodbye and then you stay for another two hours trying to like leave, but you can't because you just keep having to get into conversations with other people. And it's just, yeah, it's the longest goodbye. It's the opposite of the Irish goodbye. So if oh, I had the oh, cloak, Helene, Helene, a Puerto Rican goodbye is uh, rivals a Minnesota goodbye. So I feel like I feel really? your pain. Yeah, yeah. I, but yeah. I mean, for Minnesota, it's it's more like, oh, we're so polite, and people still want to talk, so we'll just yeah. keep talking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh. I, yeah. So in Puerto Rico, it's like a mixture of that, and also like, oh, there's hot goss going on. Yeah. I'm gonna have to stay. You know. Yeah. So yeah, agreed. Uh, if I had the cloak, it would be so nice to like not, you know, I'd say, okay, I'm leaving. Bye. And before they could suck me into another conversation, I have the cloak on. And I just sneak on right out of there. Um, and then well, isn't the Irish goodbye when you don't say goodbye and just vanish? Yeah, exactly. Like that. that hers so makes you wouldn't so say, much sense. So you wouldn't even have to say goodbye. You would just like put on the cloak and like peace out. That is true. Although, uh, yeah, I probably would need to say goodbye because of me. I know, because you're so polite. (laughs) I mean, especially if it's like the host of a party. You want to say thank you. Anyway, um, (laughs) can you tell I'm Midwestern? Um, Okay, so uh, then the next one is from uh, our listener, Dream Quaffle. Love you. Thank you for sending in things every single week. Um, They said, the stone and the wand equal big trouble, but the cloak equals protection from trouble. So there you go. I mean, yeah. And then Hippodriff twenty five says it makes a lot. E- it makes it a lot easier to sneak around, and it's not going to tempt you for desire or power. That is basically like my exact re- reason. Like the other two suck. Like I don't want the other two. Like the other two people are gonna. I'm gonna either kill myself or get killed. So why wouldn't I just take the cloak? 
And then Lopez.Desiree.M said, because the other two make people depressed or have a target on their backs. So exactly what I just said. Um, and then Becca S. Insta said, the cloak is the most practical and the least dangerous item. So it's kind of all in the same realm. Okay. All right. I think, sure, I'd probably pl- pick the cloak because also I – do you think it's warm in the cloak? Like, would it get you through a Minnesota winter too? I don't know. I hope not because then if I want to use it in the summer, I don't want to be, like, dying, you know? Ooh, maybe it's, like, magic in the way it's, like, it cools you down if it's too hot and it warms you up if it's too cold. It controls the weather? Wow. <laughs> yeah, it controls- Berry. It controls the weather of your body. It controls body weather. (laughs) Yeah, body weather. I love it. I love it. All right. Oh, we have a very fun question this time. This time our question is, what would your codename be if you were a guest on Potter Watch? Yeah, so um, since we didn't like specifically call them out in the episode – Here's a reminder in case you haven't read the chapter recently like we did. But, like, they had some cute little code names. Like, um, Fred was, uh, well, rodent slash he changed it to, what was it? He what wanted was- to be something else. Um, oh, Ra- was I it forgot. rapier? Ra- rapier? Or yeah, something? He-, he wanted to be rapier. He's like, I told you, I'm going to be rapier. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm actually kind of, oh, uh, Ra- Romulus, I think, was. Was Lupin. Ra- was yeah, it was Lupin, and then I'm trying to remember what Kingsley and Lee were. But anyway, they had some cute little like relevant names. names. Yeah, and so I was like, that'd be kind of cool to like pick your own code name. So let us know if you were on Potter Watch, what code name do you think would would suit you? Um, what code name would you pick, Lean? Are you telling us next week? Yeah, I hadn't thought about it yet, so I, I guess I have to. I guess I have to think about it and tell you next week. Because yeah, I don't know. I mean, I could try to think of one off the top of my head. Maybe like feline. Okay, <laughs> you can you can continue to think about it and tell us if that's still <laughs> your nickname next week. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we've come to the point where, Helene, you and I are no longer talking Harry Potter. We are going to be talking media we've been consuming. Yes, yes, I love this part. I do, too. What have you been watching to keep you afloat in 2023? Yeah, I finished Monk, uh, which is an eight-season-long journey, so that took a while, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. I can say now that I've like finished the whole series that I did. I think it's overall, it was a great story. It was the characters were really like good and complex and, and compelling. And I think they've, they ended it really, really well. So I did like that one a lot. Would recommend it. And then um, I started Emily in Paris after that. And I just started the third season, which is the most recent one. I don't know if it's the last one, but it's the, it's the you know last in terms of what they have released so far um so i'm getting close to the end of that one but that one has just been like a a really easy watch which is kind of just what i needed at the beginning of january on at beginning of 2023 because like i just my brain cannot like 
handle a lot of things right now with all the stuff going on. So it's just been like a nice, like easy, not super consuming or like, like it's not, it's not something I care a ton about, but it's like enjoyable. It's a light, easy watch. I would, I would suggest it. It's cute. Okay. I have not started my Emily in Paris journey, uh, but I'll keep that in mind. Uh, Speaking of easy, enjoyable watches, I finally got around to watching Glass Onion on Netflix. What a joy. Yes. What a gem. I watched this over the um, holidays with my sister and Chaz. I also enjoyed it. What a gem. I did not have like super high expectations because usually, you know, sequels. There's a there's a slump, but this one, you know what it gave me? It gave me like Magic Mike XSXL vibes, where it's like it's not mm. the s- same kind of flavoring as the OG Magic Mike, but it's still very enjoyable and it's very like funny, campy way. Yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I don't know if I I either like it more or at least just as much as the first one. I don't yeah, know. If so I- like Magic Mike XXL kind of like surpassed Magic Mike in my heart because it's like this is what I wanted. I wanted a fun uh, yeah. like movie about like male strippers. Hell yeah. Like, right, you yeah, know, yeah. Like, with yeah. like heartwarming moments, obviously. Right. But not like this gritty like it's so hard to be a male stripper. Like I don't need that. OK. I don't need totally. That. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Um, I just need the lightheartedness. Like it's it's hard. Life is hard enough as it is. Um, so I felt like Glass Onion had like the same lightness and tongue in cheek as like Knives Out, but like played up more of that than like the. I mean, I don't think Knives Out was gritty at all, but like it played it up, like played up the tongue in cheek way more, and I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there was definitely more more murder, I feel like, in the first one. Like, it was more yeah. serious. Um, it seemed like a little bit more serious and less playful. Is that, like, yeah, an accurate would, description? Yeah, I would say so, yeah. And this one, like, Glass Onion, I mean, Janelle Monet fucking stole the whole show. She was yeah, like, incredible. Absolutely. absolutely incredible. And so she just made it worth it by herself. Uh, honestly. Well, and you know what? To be honest with you, I was a little bit worried about, not that I don't love Daniel Craig. Love Daniel Craig. Uh, Daniel Craig, if you're listening, I love you. But um, <laughs> Our biggest fan, Daniel Craig. Our biggest fan, Daniel Craig. Um, but I was a little bit worried when I heard that like Glass Onion was going to be kind of centered around like Benoit Blanc. Um, as a character and like another um, mystery, right? Quote unquote. And I was like, oh, I'm a little bit worried, like about this. I don't know how I feel about Benoit Blanc, and like, can that character carry like an entire film? I don't know. Like, I was just a little bit worried, and I shouldn't have been. This was fantastic, gorgeous, Chef's kiss. Yeah, yeah. He was he was also very good in it. Also, Edward Norton loved him. Um, as oh. uh. The Elon Musk, the basically. I was gonna, I was gonna say like the Elon Musk of. Well, because okay, so like not to spoil it, but he is definitely Elon. Yeah, so I mean, Ryan Johnson, who like wrote and directed or the movie or whatever, said that it was actually like an accident. He didn't actually mean for it to be like an Elon Musk thing, but like 
it's so obvious. And the, the character's name is Miles Braun. And like for a second, like it was so convincing that it was supposed to be Elon Musk. But that for a second, I was like, wait, is his name an anagram for? And then I was like, no, there's no B. But there's like E, <laughs> like E-L-O-N is like in Miles Braun. And so yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. I, oh my God, like, what if that's, and then I was like, no, there's no U in there. And like, there's no B in Elon Musk. So like, I was like, never mind. But I was like, oh my God, what if it's an anagram? As <laughs> that would have been hilarious. Yeah. I thought for a second, I was like, oh, this can't be like, this is too perfect. And then, yeah, <laughs> but it was very enjoyable. Edward Norton does a, does a great job as, as the Elon Musk character, to be honest. It's so great. Oh, it was just I don't know. Everyone was great. Like the cast, like there wasn't a cast member that I was like, mm-hmm. ugh, disgusted by. Um, love the cameos by Hugh Grant. And yes. um, uh, who else was was like the cameo? I, I don't know. I like, there were a bunch of cameos. Like Angela Lansbury was in it. Oh, I and uh, Stephen Sondheim. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, so beautiful. Loved it. Loved it all. Yeah. Kate Great. Hudson as like a washed up like model. And then Catherine Hahn, amazing as as always. She kills it and everything yeah. she's in. Beautiful, beautiful. Everything. Make more, Ryan Johnson. Please make more. Yeah, I'm here for it. All right. Well, that's it for today's episode. Please join us next week to talk about the chapter that I actually read for this episode. (laughs) Mistakenly, it is chapter 23 of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, and it's titled Malfoy Matter. Yeah, um, I'm going to be reading that one next week. I don't know. Maybe each week we'll read 24. We'll see. Tune in next time (laughs) and find out. Uh, But if you've enjoyed this conversation, please take a second to give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you happen to be listening to us right now because it helps us, uh, helps new listeners find us and it makes us feel better about ourselves. Well, until then, politics managed. Support this show by going to patreon.com slash occupolitics. Our patrons keep this show going. You can find us online at Occupolitics.com and we are at Occupolitics on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can email us your thoughts at info at Occupolitics.com. Leave us a voicemail at 915-996-1699 and you might just hear yourself on the podcast. Adriana Wilson is the founder and creative director of the podcast. Helene Karp is the producer and social media manager. Allison Pullman is the audio wizard and editor who makes us sound so good. Cover art and physical rewards are designed by Adriana Wilson. The views expressed by the hosts and guests are expressly their own and not representative of their employers or associates. Occupolitics is part of the MuggleNet family of podcasts.